Hello, everyone. Welcome to Minds on Mushrooms, where we unveil the magic behind psychedelics for mental health and addiction. I'm your host, Maggie Kirkwood. I am excited because I now have a podcast and (laughs) a little bit about why I'm here talking to you. Um, I, my life was greatly impacted um, for the better with plant medicine. And I wanted to, you know, create a space, a safe space where we can share stories, listen and learn from professionals, um, and just kind of keep on top of what's happening in the mental health game. Uh, Because it's pretty exciting. So today, I'm so excited. My guest, Angie Hansen, is here. Angie is 41 years old. She's a design professional. She's a mom. And (laughs) she's here today to talk about ketamine-assisted therapy. Um, She'll tell you all about it. But essentially, it's, it's classed as a anesthetic, right? But it's um, been proving to have super positive effects with people who suffer with major depressive disorder um, and who have also been treatment or who have treatment resistant depression. Yes. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And ketamine is considered a, a psychedelic treatment for depression. Thank you. So I guess part of the reason it caught my eye is because I don't think plants should be illegal. So anything that is working towards that process of legalization and gathering that kind of data, um, I'm in support of. It's a good cause. So thanks for having me and thanks for supporting a good cause. Well, thank you for saying that, Angie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So let's hear, I know you have quite a story to tell. And, um, you know, first of all, I just thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and your vulnerability, because obviously talking about mental health, um, it's not fun and (laughs) it's yucky and scary. And um, I really appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Yeah. And if there's anyone out there listening that can benefit, or if you have a loved one that you're really worried about, you know, this is really the reason why people like me come out and share these stories because it, it can be deadly, you know, it's a dangerous um, disorder. So, and it's very serious. And if you're treatment resistant yourself or someone you love is really struggling, I have found great relief with this. So there is hope. Um, But basically I am coming from about 10 years of struggling with a major depressive disorder. Um, It started off when I was pregnant. So I was diagnosed with, it's called perinatal depression. I think a lot of people have heard of postnatal. Yes. Um, But perinatal is during um, and after. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Extra fun pregnancy. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was able to get on um, some medications that were working really well for a long time. Um, But then I found out recently, only just this past winter, that I was high risk for stroke. And I probably shouldn't have ever been on that particular medication. Yes. So that was really scary. Wow. I mean, if you're thinking about, you know, trigger warning, uh, suicidal ideation or things like that, um, you know, that's something that you definitely want to prevent and stay medicated and healthy and happy. Um, but I also don't want to stroke. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And we were talking, you know, didn't you, hadn't you 
knowing someone in her young 30s yeah. who suffered from a stroke and it was like super real to you like I it was literally just a, a Christmas party with some close gal pals and um she opened up about the fact she was still recovering from a stroke and she was a young mom of a teenager uh I just was really blown away that uh someone so young had yeah. had a stroke and hearing about her journey was really humbling too so so here you are in order, you're finding out that the medication that's working and helping you with your depression, you can continue taking it, but you're at high risk for a stroke. Right. Okay. So at that point, it was clear to me that I just needed to stop taking it um, and work with my uh, psychiatrist to find a new solution. Um, so the journey started. Uh, it was winter. It's Minnesota. It's cold. It's dark. It is. It is. So it was not good timing. I mean, it's never good timing, but I feel like uh, there's also like that seasonal affective disorder For sure. that yeah. is influencing all of this too. So um, I did do um, partial hospitalization. I did do outpatient. Wow. I had to take a four month medical leave. So things got pretty heavy, pretty fast. Wow. Um, I kind of expected it, but once you're really in it, it's like you can't see the forest for the trees. Yes. You know, it's, trees, it's yes. really intense. It's right in your face. It's kind of like living in like a staticky TV nightmare. <laughs> and I, I think just from talking with you, you know, you had said at times it felt like your kid or your baby or your, yeah, your son would, might be better off without you with his, Definitely. You know, it's just like so devastating to hear that. And just having those th- that, you were that dark, that low, you know? Yeah. And, you know, people don't, I think people have this view of depression, like, oh, they must be just kind of down in the dumps and kind of have like this down low personality. Um, but I mean, I like to reference like Anthony Bourdain, like he was a TV personality. He had a lot of wonderful things to say and do with his life. Um, it's really not your personality. Um, right. It's something that's really affecting your whole body, particularly your brain. But I really felt it in my whole body, too. Um, just this really intense heaviness, um, difficulty moving through the day um, or really getting out of bed. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are familiar with that feeling. Um, but it's when you can't get relief and nothing is working. Um, that's when it starts to get to be that treatment resistant where we're wanting to introduce psychedelic therapy um, to kind of intervene. So gotcha. um, yeah. we're fairly progressive in Minnesota because ketamine is a legal option. Um, but, you know, it's not like Oregon or California where there's other options right now. Nothing was helping. How was it that ketamine assisted psychotherapy came, you know, did a doctor recommend it to you or how did you find about, out about it? Uh, well, after partial hospitalization and then outpatient, uh, they're helping you to create a plan um, so that you don't relapse. So part of the relapse plan is to find a therapist that um, can continue on. Um, and uh, I got a nice long list uh, from the clinic I was working with. And one of them was ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. And it just, like I said, it caught my eye because I know that um, I personally believe that mushrooms are a plant that shouldn't be illegal. And ketamine is kind of that stepping stone to, like, get to legalization for psychedelic therapy with other mediums. 
or modalities. I don't know what's the right word. (laughs) That's okay. But you're, so essentially you, ketamine assisted psychotherapy was an option for you and you personally were interested because it's a plant medicine and based along what we're here talking about today. Yeah. It's kind of like a stepping stone towards that psychedelic therapy with uh, psilocybin. Okay. Um, And I, I do believe it should be legal. So I was like, whatever I can do to contribute to that data set um, of how it is beneficial, you know, I'm happy to play by the rules. (laughs) I'm happy to be, you know, the guinea pig um, because I think ultimately it's for a good cause. And I think people that are working in that world are passionate about that too. So supporting them and their career and their research uh, felt important to me. So I might be suffering, but I still want to help make the world a better place too for my son and others. Love it. Okay. So let's talk about your experience. Um, yeah. What does it look like? To, how do you, how do you sign up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I went the clinic route where you get six therapy sessions leading up and you get to know your therapist better. Okay. There's also infusion clinics. You can just go straight for the medicine. Um, but for me, right. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) but I thought it would be important just considering the place I was in my life to really have some handholding, um, the baby steps, um, and yeah, build that trust. I think, um, I didn't feel like I'd get as much out of it if it just went straight to the injection. Well, I I just injected. Yeah. I think what I find so exciting about this and my personal experience is it is really about the therapy. Like if you're, you know, if you're going to, if you're an alcoholic and you quit drinking, great, grand, wonderful. But if you haven't dealt with (laughs) all of your shite, you know, what do they call that? A dry drunk? I'm not sure. But um, Mm -hmm. I the same, you know, and I think that why another reason, you know, we're here talking about this plant medicine is everybody just, everybody knows how it's used recreationally and you can trip out and K-holes and whatnot. <laughs> right. But then, you know, what we're all learning or what I'm so excited about is the fact that therapy with the use mm-hmm. of plant medicine used intentionally is really leading to some marvelous outcomes and helping people you know, become not depressed and suicidal and helping with addiction. So, so you had some intake or so intake sessions. So you got to know your therapist, you got to know your nurse. And then when it was time to like describe that, do you go into Yeah. And is it like, um, yeah. What does it look like? And well, I felt like it was almost like a spa experience. Wow. So you go in, um, it's not scary at all. Um, it's not like, um, it's not as clinical as you might think. It's very much like a nice, beautiful reception area. And then they take you to the room, which is very comfortable. There is headphones and, um, music and a comfortable chair and they'll give you like blackout eyewear so that you're not, um, having like that kind of visual drag that might happen without them. So you can really focus on your kind of internal intentions. And I think um, it's all about checking in with your therapist, reminding yourself of those intentions for healing. Um, And she's there the whole time, you know, it's kind of, like I said, the handholding is really nice. So let's talk about music. I mean, did you pick, 
did you create your own playlist or did they have tell me about that yeah I had mentioned to her that I really liked um binaural beats um that's where it'll have um, headphones and like a slightly different um hertz uh frequency on each side and then uh your brain will synchronize with that uh there's also solfeggio frequencies so the idea is that different frequencies can help with different things such as sleep or relaxation uh clarity focus so maybe i should be listening (laughs) so you you knew that this would be along the lines to helping or increasing maybe the benefits of yeah. your session. And just kind of aligned with my personal interests. Yeah. Um, just being a yogi of 22 years. And um, yeah, I guess I'm just open-minded to the world of healing in general. Yeah. So that's probably another big reason why there I was drawn go, to girl. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So then what happens when, I, you know, people are saying, do you get shot up? Or <laughs> so is it, yeah, an IV or? I heard the infusion clinics are an IV in the case of this clinic, it was an injection. And so when you do your intake with your nurse, they'll look at, are you on any other medications, um, weight and height, you know, physiology. And then um, she'll prescribe a dose and discuss it with you. She can kind of even give you context of what people take for the first time generally versus what they might take on the sixth time. And um, so it's a pretty robust discussion. And they compare it to a roller coaster. So um, they'll give you just the half dose to start. So you'll kind of get moving along the track, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you don't like that feeling, let's say you're just really queasy, you want to throw up um, something like kind of a bad personal physical reaction, then you don't have to keep going (laughs) down the hill of the roller coaster. You don't have to do the loop-de-loop. You can just kind of taper off. So I thought that was really... Well, how are you feeling? Yeah. So I was so happy to have a break from just the heavy, terrible, oppressive feeling in my body, you know? Um, so I could see where someone that's having chronic pain would have so much relief. So or, like, so right away that from the injection, you of, just felt like this the half dose major. Even. Wow. Yeah. So then so for that, me, it was a good thing. I didn't feel queasy. <laughs> <laughs> and were you like, give me the other half? Yeah. So when she checked in again, she's like, how are you feeling? Are you um, ready for the other half? And I was like, definitely, I feel like I'm dissolving into the universe. And it was such like peace and clarity and honestly, like an intense feeling of love, Okay. which wow. was a feeling I hadn't been able to feel or experience oh. for months, you know, it's like when you're in this really dark place, I think that's what is kind of the worst part about it is that feeling of complete disconnection from others and the mm. world and like wondering what's the point. Right. So when you finally get just that relief, it's almost like a blank slate of like emotion. And to me, that really relates back to like your brain becoming more neuroplastic and maybe forming some new pathways that aren't this terrible rut of depression. So a medicine that helps our brains grow (laughs) rather than murders our brain cells. Yeah, it's not like the D.A.R.E. commercials, like, this is your brain on drugs. (laughs) Right. Yeah, just crap. Well, that's so wonderful. (laughs) So you're feeling within the session amazing and all of these emotions and feelings that you hadn't been feeling. Um, And then, tell. so yeah, so that it happened right away. But then did you see that the... What do they say, like a halo effect from your treatment or how 
tell us for like the next day and through the next couple of weeks what that kind of looked like for you. Yeah, they don't want you to drive. Um, I personally am not a super chatty person all the time. I'm chatty right now, but we've been preparing for this. It's time to be really quiet. Um, But I didn't necessarily think I would want to talk about afterwards. So I called an Uber personally. Um, Other people might want to call their partner or their, you know, best friend and have them pick them up. But for me, I'm just kind of an independent person. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to like be able to like process and internalize. Um, And I didn't feel like that disoriented or anything. Sometimes people will have like that visual drag kind of continue for a while. Um, But yeah, I was just um, kind of seating and seated and talking with the nurse and my therapist and kind of decompressing and and they were taking notes, you know, in case you don't totally remember everything you were saying. Um, It can kind of refresh your memory at the next session. So that kind of integration piece you mentioned. Yes. So you get home and they kind of let you know that you're going to be a little tired. I took the most epic nap. So that was really good. Yes. And I couldn't help but think while I was laying there, like how amazing would it be for someone just to come to your house? Oh, yeah. And let you do the experience in your home. So that feels like that would maybe feel... the next level yeah. <laughs> for a cap session. So, Okay, great. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, accessibility to this. So, you know, was it covered by insurance and what is the cost around it? Like, tell yeah. us more, please. Well, I feel privileged to have the access. I feel like we should definitely all have access to healthcare and especially mental health care. Um, so I do have insurance. Um, the six sessions leading up to the actual injection were covered, just like a typical therapy kind of appointment. Um, so it's classified the same, uh, whether it's working towards a CAP session or just a regular therapist. You also work with your um, longstanding kind of permanent therapist. So at that point in time for those six sessions those six weeks you do have two appointments one with your regular therapist and okay. one with your ketamine therapist gotcha so you're kind of doing double time and insurance from my understanding most insurance will cover those two per week and okay. then when you actually go to get the injection um at the clinic that is seven hundred dollars wow it could be five hundred dollars some places more of an infusion clinic without all the hand holding is more like three hundred dollars so okay. it is cost prohibitive. Sure. And again, that's why I'm so passionate about legalizing a plant. Right. <laughs> Way more affordable. Um, yeah. And we can talk about that more. So you had your initial treatment and then um, have you gone back or how did, t- I want to hear more about like the After. halo yeah, effect. Yeah. The halo effect. Yeah. It was um, really eye-opening for me. So the General idea is that you have a halo effect for about two weeks. Okay. Um, for the very first time that you do ketamine um, assisted therapy, I say therapy, psychotherapy. Okay, gotcha. But you know, we're yes. interchangeably. But anyway, um, <laughs> so after the first time, they recommend that you wait four weeks and then you can really see your brain on ketamine versus off. And okay. you'll know that that halo effect has definitely worn off and you can kind of compare and contrast, you know how was that for me? And so I noticed that the negative self-talk started coming back mm-hmm. in and I'm really mean to myself. Oh gosh. Um, so that was the biggest aha moment for me. Like, wow, I've been talking to myself this way probably forever. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, I'm dealing with this 
medication issue, it just really spiraled and got worse. So I'm right. my own worst enemy. So it was clear to me that the psychedelic therapy was helping me to either, either those voices are changing or I'm not hearing them. I don't really, I'm not a clinician, but, um, it yeah. was dramatic difference. So that's so great. So, and you know, I have a similar experience. I mean, it is for me, I kind of started thinking I might be depressed, but I really didn't know I was depressed because I've never been depressed. And it was just those voices and those, that the negative thoughts that are really constant, you know, and just, um, and what a terrible place to be because you can be there often seems to be no light, you know, can't escape it, especially in Minnesota. Okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) but anyway, um, it's so fascinating to me, like the more we talk and learn about psychedelics and psilocybin and ketamine, you know, it's just that like general idea that that those negative voices are kind of just tuned down um, or, you know, and then those positive feelings, which for me, I, I just feel that I'm flooded with like positivity and I'm feeling more empathetic, you know, and more connection to the people and the universe. And I feel like through us talking, you've described a lot of that, that same song and dance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just wild to think about the whole journey. There's, you know, more and more documentaries happening, um, about how things became illegal in the first place and, and that whole journey. So, you know, it's just an exciting time. I feel like we're really privileged to be living in this day and age where we're starting to integrate this back into treatments. And yeah, I forgot, you know, Angie lives in Minneapolis and so do <laughs> I because we're awesome. And so is Minneapolis uh, because, you know, there's a lot happening right now uh, um, along the lines of hoping to legalize plant medicine. I mean, Mayor Fry essentially decriminalized it. Well, he didn't decriminalize it, but it's lowest priority of any offense um, in Minneapolis. And then Governor Walls has a task force in place. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's a group of people, uh, Native American tribal leaders, psychiatrists, doctors, patients that had experienced um, the treatment resistant depression. Um, So things are happening and it's so exciting. And, um, so where do you, so you had your, your ketamine treatment and then is it kind of like something when you feel the halo effect or these negative voices are kind of reentering and you kind of need another rejuvenation, you would head back for another? Yeah. So you could go back to that same clinic. Um, they're aware that it's more expensive and, and that they're just offering that full service. Sure. Um, um, and that you might not want to continue to pay $700 a pop. Right. So they will help you transition to more of the infusion format. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, I would say, really helpful to do the full treatment with the six sessions leading in and then the two sessions to integrate the therapy. And then um, for the second and consecutive times, go to an infusion clinic. Yeah. I actually um, was able to find someone that is growing mushrooms and was able to give me the microdosing because frankly it's way cheaper well yeah and it's something I'm passionate about supporting that's great I mean I can't imagine well I'm not going to get started on my (laughs) medical insurance 
talk, but you know, <laughs> if I'm, if I know I need something to feel normal and to feel right and to be a good mom or any, anything to exist, <laughs> um, you know, $700 and you have, you have like corporate insurance, right? Yeah. yeah. And you're still would have to pay that. That's just right. still out of pocket. Yeah. And, um, I mean, personally, I guess I've always been kind of a tree hugger. You know, I would like to do use plants wherever possible. Right. Um, just easier on your kidneys and liver and all that <laughs> good stuff. Um, yes. Personally. And, you know, no hate towards ketamine at all. It obviously has helped me so much and definitely want to support it however I can. And, you know, if someone's in a really dark place and they need that triage of relief, mm-hmm then I recommend it. Um, it's worth every penny of that $700 price tag. That's very important. You know, I think there's so many people, myself included, um, when I was feeling low, I just, I didn't know what to do. I mean, I just, what there's, you know, I probably decided to drink more wine <laughs> or, you know, well, right. It's, it's like <laughs> whatever you have access to. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when things become inaccessible or treatment resistant, yeah, a bottle of wine looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and you just want to get out of your head because it's a terrible place to be. And I think, you know, we're about the same age, but I just feel like for me growing up, you know, it's just so such a natural thing and so ingrained in our culture. Let's, you know, have a glass of wine. Yeah, or, it's been a long uh, day. Let's get a happy hour. Everywhere it's you go. So yeah, exactly. Normalized. But then little did I know that for me alcohol was causing me more anxiety and more depression. Yeah, definitely a depressant. So, um, no bueno. Right. <laughs> um, but anyway, I just felt like it was, that was one option, you know, carry on with that. And um, for me, I happened, you know, to find microdosing or magic mushrooms. <laughs> Psilocybin um, was really... Uh, My saving grace or, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a similar story because what I'm hearing you say are, you know, um, the thoughts, the negative thoughts and the depression and it's kind of, I don't want to say like tossed out (laughs) the window completely because what definitely turns down the volume is that it's making you feel better and Mm -hmm. and feeling safe. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's exactly how it made me feel and yeah. I so much so I can't stop talking about it. So <laughs> a podcast. Um, but it's so good to just kind of normalize it because look, I mean, especially after the panty pandemic, are we still in it? I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, if you have a suppressed immune system, you would definitely are still in it. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many, um, so much has happened. What's normal? I don't, nothing is normal, clearly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so really shook us up as a society, for sure. I think it's so important to share your story because, like, my whole point is there are people out there, and I was one of them, who was depressed, and I just, I was too shy to do anything about it. You well, know? there is such a stigma, and it's, it's really scary, and I'll just give an example. Um, my mom had the same issues in the eighties and, um, she did not have any, you know, employee rights. There were no, you know, the American disability act of 1990 hadn't happened. It wasn't amended for mental disorders like depression and anxiety and PTSD until 1995. So our parents are scared because they could have really lost their job 
and lost everything. No shit. And so today, wow. you know, we have these additional legal rights. We have these protections. And again, people don't know about it. Right. So they're terrified. I was terrified. Sure. You know? um, I'm still the same person. You know, I I still love to have a good laugh. I love working. I love my job. Um, and I was just going through a really difficult time and was able to take a leave of absence. Um, but, you know, starting to look at what if this doesn't get better, you know, right. and, and, and am I going to be out on the streets? I'm sure a lot of people are on the streets for this reason. Sure. So there just, there needs to be more awareness about um, our American Disability Act rights. Um, it's more than just visible disabilities. Yes. Um, that tends to be the focus, but um, it covers non-visible too. Sure. That's so helpful. And I think uh, to your point, yes, mental health um, <clears throat> is obviously a major importance um, to exist in everyday life. And again, um, just talking about it and, you know, I'm 44 years old and I have learned more about myself and my depression and my anxiety in the past half year, you know, um, yeah whatever that means. I'm old. But anyway, <laughs> um, and I just, uh, again, um, to reiterate, you know, this is medication that I, and I hope to have an actual doctor who provides, I know a few, uh, these ketamine assisted <laughs> therapy treatments. And I would love, because I've, you know, just taking it like a brief little look at the brain, you know, can they, they can do those um, color imagery um, that shows like a depressed brain um, and then a rejuvenated brain. Yeah, I love that word, <laughs> I, rejuvenated. It is a rejuvenating spa-like feeling when you're like, oh my gosh, there I am. I've been like hiding under did you all these to, dark thoughts. <laughs> but did you, did it ever go to that level where you, would they show you your like brain? Like brain scan? Uh-uh, but I think that's why the research is so important because they can kind of validate all those findings yes. and people love visuals. So right. I think that would be great if you could kind of compare like, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you could compare, you know, a drunk brain or a depressed brain and they're almost the same image. To uh -huh. like the lit up myelinating, masticating brain. Yes. <laughs> well, that's learning and growing on psychedelics. Yeah. And that's literally what I did because <laughs> I, when I was feeling so terrible um, because I was depressed and drinking heavily and misusing alcohol, um, I was, it's not too hard to just Google. <laughs> you know, you're depressed, your brain. And, and so then I started looking at the, you know, actual visual <laughs> effects of what, you know, what's probably happening to my brain. But what's so exciting is there's a whole world of color ahead yeah. and expanding and rebuilding. And yes, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I was um, really looking forward to coming here and, and was just, you know, catching up on what's happening in Oregon and, um, they have done a good job of acknowledging our First Nation um, people and how, you know, we've kind of stripped that power away from them. And now we can kind of restore that um, that medicine that they've taught for so many generations going back so long ago right. and um, to really acknowledge that space, too. Um, 
I know that we have to kind of do our Western thing where we validate it with our Western practices and da da da. But yeah. you know, it's it's definitely an ancient healing no, method. Yes. So and that would be super cool to learn about too. I know it, and it's so important because it is a sacred medicine. And at the end of the day, you know, I was thinking about that too because it's like um, I've lived here most of my life. I've also lived in Australia, but I know. Um, within the Native American communities here and Aboriginal communities in Australia, alcohol is such a huge pandemic, epidemic, yeah. epidemic. Yes, I think. I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> Panic. <laughs> <Epi>. Problem. <laughs> um, so my, but here, you know, they were introduced. That's the white people, right? Um, drug, and mm-hmm. you know, they're. I feel my body can't is not meant to have alcohol. And, you know, I don't know anything scientifically, and I hope to learn way more <laughs> when we have um, experts talk about these things. But it's like, yes, here it is, you know, this plant medicine, basically their medicine that they've been using. And um, and, and maybe they just need a better discussion about the science behind it and how it can help treat a lot of these issues. But, you know, we got to start with, those people, our people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I get really excited. Start when with I, when, history. Yeah. And when we um, talk about it, because it's, to me, it just seems so positive. And it seems, that's where I like to keep my mind these days, is positivity. Um, so I'm so excited that you were here. And I, again, thank you so much for sharing everything. And um, it's such a great story to hear. And yeah, I'm really no, I'm I'm, so happy for you. I'm too. happy to be on the other side of it and and sharing um, some ideas that could help others. And thanks for holding the space. Well, thank you, Angie. Listener question. This is from uh, Gabe N. in Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's see. What what um, what other things had you tried for depression before this? Like, is it a yeah. long battle, whatever, for you? Yeah. So, um, for me and for my mom, it's mostly hormonal. It's called, uh, PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So it's not like PMS. That's a few days and you're really crabby and, um, (laughs) (laughs) just being kind of a bitch. It's more like two weeks. So that ends up being like half your life. Um, and so I was able to take, um, Yaz, it's specifically for PMDD and that yes, is a, it's a birth control okay. hormone treatment. Yes. Yes. So that worked really well, but yeah, I also get optical migraines, which is super specific. Um, so if they don't know that you get optical migraines, they can't warn you that, Hey, you're going to have a stroke. So that was working for yeah eight years. Um, so as soon as I found out I had to go off of it, I, ran to my psychiatrist. I was already on Lexapro. So Lexapro is great for both anxiety and and depression. It's, I always say it kind of gave me an energy boost. And I feel like a lot of my depression was also coming from sleep deprivation. So my son had insomnia for until he was five years old. Oh dear. So you're talking like colic till they're five. So five years of not sleeping. Oh my God. So I, I mean, that literally causes brain damage, you know, if we're talking about brain damage, because your, your brain is like kind of soaked in this 
its own waste and it, you need sleep to like rinse your brain. Mm-hmm. So it was just in this toxic state for five years. So it's just like this. So I'm like white knuckling it through. <laughs> yeah. But with your depression, it's like this like terrible storm of all like, yeah. because, and then here you are trying it. So the birth control or Yaz, which essentially you were using it only for your hormones. It's right. not, you know, but it was controlling. And then the Lexapro was for the, I feel like sleep, sleep dep. Okay. Know? Yeah. Um, but sleep deprivation will definitely exacerbate depression Big and other time. things. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like if you can't sleep, you're going to gain weight because you're trying to eat to like have some energy somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to exercise. So that's a whole other tangent. But then um, when I had to go off the birth control from the stroke risk, there was a drug called Lamotrigine, and it's for epilepsy. But it, it essentially works by quieting some of that electric activity in your brain so that you're not spiraling so hard. Sure. Um, but for that to work, you kind of have to titrate up and continually titrate up. And titrate. so, yeah, it's like adding a little bit. Um, every time as you like build this resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was eager to find a gynecologist or someone that understood hormones that could help me find something that wouldn't give me a stroke that no would help shit. with this PMDD. Because okay. if you're like in that dark place for two weeks and then you start to come out of it with the cycle of the hormones, um, it's still it's still kind of done the damage, right? Wow. It's like you might have a little bit of a break um, for that two weeks mm-hmm. off the PMDD issue. But, um, yeah, if it's, it's just continually happening and you can't escape it, that feeling of being trapped can really yeah. kind of make it worse. So the bottom line is though, I mean, you've tried right. <laughs> so many different yeah, things. I, I still take and... Lexapro and actually it, um, you know, from what I've read, it's, it kind of helps with the anxiety piece of any psychedelic experience so some people will take an ssri like lexapro and then they suddenly cannot have any kind of psychedelic experience which is unfortunate um everyone's a little different my uh my psychiatrist is awesome so i tell her everything yeah you know um and she's like well a reminder that um ssris do make the brain more neuroplastic as well okay so Um, Can you define, do you know how SSRI, serotonin? Serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I don't know what the extra S is. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I happen to know a lot of people, not a lot, but I know people who carry that kind of not, they say, well, if I take this, an SSRI, which Lexapro is one. Lexapro is one, yes. um, You know, I won't be able to have the benefits of somebody that's not on that drug when it comes to psilocybin or ketamine. But I think, um, obviously talking to a doctor or a professional is best, it really varies, but I, yeah. I feel that, um, yeah, it totally varies. And I feel like it's not true or, you know, so a yeah. lot of people, well, who- there's a lot of mythology around it only because of that kind of illegal status. Um, and yes. that's unfortunate, but yeah. Yeah. If you can find a really solid doctor that you trust, I feel really blessed to have a psychiatrist who is a, you know, a sounding board for me, um, just so I can feel more safe. Um, but yeah, after, um, I found a new gynecologist, I was able to get on Mirena. Um, so it's working almost as well as Yaz along with the microdosing, um, and the Lexapro, I am in a good place again, but yeah, it was definitely (laughs) a 
journey. Yeah, a little bit of a to trip. hell and back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, gosh. Um, another question. So that uh, we know you're not a doctor, but just in your, I'm trying to get a sense for it. But how how severe? Like, would you recommend this for someone who's just got sort of just chronic? low-grade depression kind of thing like that? Or is this only a kind of extreme type thing as far as you know? So I have um, a couple friends that connected me with um, a psilocybin grower and they would have more of that low-grade depression and, and they have a really good success. They've been having really good success with the microdosing. Um, so they do um, a milligram every three days, I think is the correct... I feel with microdosing. Um, I don't have yeah. it memorized. It totally depends on their <laughs> protocol, I guess. So yeah. what, but for the ketamine, but for I'm the saying? ketamine, it's yeah. typically for treatment resistance. So they will really run you through, you know, have you done everything you can? So I, I wasn't drinking. I was already on an SSRI. I had already been doing, you know, hospitalization, inpatient and outpatient. Um, so I they were like, yes, you need to do this now. Okay. Um, yeah, I talk about it because... You say it so well, like there's people who feel that they're depressed. Right. So, you know, I feel depressed is like, I feel sad. I feel happy. I feel angry. I feel depressed. You know, it's like a, a passing emotion. So I think that's where the confusion can really come in when people don't know what you're talking about. They're like, well, I feel depressed too. You know, it's like, okay, totally valid. But do you have major depressive disorder where it, it, never lightens up. It continues on and on and on day after week, after month, after year for some people. Um, and then you can start to have those conversations about treatment resistant depression um, because you are trying all of the things and trying to find something that works for wow. you. So I think that's where a lot of confusion can come in. And I, you know, I've brought up the example of um, let's say you have diabetes. It's like when you have a sugar crash, that sounds very different from I have diabetes. So, right. you know, it's like you're talking about your pancreas, but with depression, you're stuck with that same word. Yes. I feel depressed versus I have major depressive disorder versus right. I have treatment resistant depression. It's always the same word depressed. And I think that causes some spin for people. They just don't, they can't connect the two. Yes. Well said. Oh, thank you. So I think I was so used to the dark thoughts, you know, um, that almost had started to be the most normal feeling for me. So it probably started sneaking in week three, but by week four, I was like, okay, it's bad again, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely two weeks of just like, wow, I feel completely better. <laughs> and, so, and then <laughs> that was magic. Since you've been back and had another treatment, is it, do you find you can make it to the week three or four? Or, I mean, I never even had to go back. Oh. Yeah, I was able to find, wow. right? I was able to get hooked on, um, hooked into um, a grower and get that microdose personally. Okay. But I, I would think just from my own experience, you might do like a macro dose every once in a while and then sure. keep with a microdose. I know that there's going to be a ketamine nasal spray that's intended to be more that microdose effect. So, um, but I haven't done it. Quick question. Did your doctor, psychiatrist, were they open? Like, were they like, hey, you should check and in, look into microdosing because it has a similar effect? Or how did you know to do that? Um, well, she isn't um, tapped into the whole ketamine um, therapy 
she, I just, you know, let her know that that was the plan and um, that I was going to give it a try. And she's like, okay, let me know how it goes. Like she just had oh, really, wow. really didn't know much about it. Oh, okay. Um, I, I found out about that through um, depression outpatient, um, my outpatient clinic. And so I was kind of updating her, you know, are you worried about uh, Lexapro or these SSRIs and ketamine? The nurse at the ketamine clinic didn't have any concerns, but you know, I'm not taking any chances. And she was like, no, I, I don't have any concerns, especially if the nurse who's more familiar is good. Mm -hmm. I'm good. And, you know, I told her, well, I would like to transition to microdosing psilocybin because this ketamine treatment is expensive. And do you have any concerns with that? And she said, no, but I think she was concerned that I would stop taking Lexapro and start just doing the microdosing because then I wouldn't really have a medical professional professional overseeing my treatment. Yeah. So for me and just wanting to be a responsible mom and all that, I am continuing both. Um, but I have heard where people will transition off an SSRI to just microdose. So I have too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It has happened. Awesome. Do you feel like yours is more expensive because you did the therapy? ahead of time like is that rolled into that 700 yes so i think that clinic just probably has a lot more overhead costs and offers a lot more services so they do charge more for the actual medicine and they acknowledge that they're like well you know you're probably not going to need all of these front end um kind of trust building sessions so you could just transition to the infusion clinics and that's where it's closer to 300 so it's not for but why, Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I want to be a huge, you know, what's the word? I would like to s- support this idea with using the therapy services that are offered between the therapist and, and the integration afterwards and before. Um, but yeah, it's expensive as all hell. I mean, yeah. Well, and, you know, to be fair, I probably would have gone to the infusion clinic if I hadn't been able to get access to psilocybin sure because that would be half oh, gotcha. less than half yeah how was it that you found I mean did you have to go online and google were there many options for you to find a place that offers ketamine assisted psychotherapy well I had a list of um, ideas from my outpatient clinic and intero was the clinic on the list um, and it was the only clinic on their list that had ketamine-assisted therapy. So um, I went with them, um, but when I found out it was $700, I did shop around um, and found another similar clinic that was $500. But since it was on the, a recommended a, yes. a recommendation, I decided Intero would be the way to go, and I, I don't have any regrets. So it was a wonderful experience. And you're saying Intero. Intero, I-N-T-E-R-O. And they did not pay me to say that. <laughs> So can you tell us your experience and how, you know, were you scared from, from injection on, like, right. were you sweating and tell us more? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, you know, after getting so many COVID shots, I'm not scared of needles anymore, but, um, yeah, it wasn't like a, a big needle or anything. It was just a quick injection in your arm. Um, they ask you which arm you would like. I didn't have any like soreness afterwards, like you do with a vaccination even. So uh, pretty low key there. And then, um, once you take it, uh, 
you're at that half dose and it's it's like the beginning of the roller coaster where you're you're kind of trucking along um you're moving it might feel like it's happening quickly but you're not doing these like deep steep drops or loops yeah. upside down <laughs> you haven't gotten to like the big kid roller coaster yet you're still on the little kid roller coaster and then um they check in with you to make sure you're not um nauseous or anything um, and so if you're feeling good, then they'll give you the rest of the dose. And for me, you know, I'm wearing these like blackout eyewear. So, um, and maybe it's because I'm a visual person, I'm a designer and an artist. Um, but I was seeing kind of like patterning, um, almost like a kaleidoscopic effect, but you know, it, it's dark. Um, and I was also just feeling the general sense of freedom and that kind of like that endorphin rush that you get when you finally feel relief. Um, and yeah, like that overwhelming sense of love and connection and, um, yeah, it it was such a relief. I, I can't even begin to describe the sense of relief of, wow, I'm not a completely broken person. You know, I, I can feel happy again. Um, cause it had been months, you know, so good to hear and so good to hear that it happened almost. I mean, I'm sure you might've been a little bit anxious or cause it's your first time. You never know how it's, <laughs> but the important part is that, you know, you had your, a therapist there and a nurse mm-hmm. there and you were in a safe setting. Um, and it's just so good to hear that within moments or, you know, mm-hmm. that you could have that quick. relief just to get um, that good feeling again. But yeah, the halo effect was pretty wonderful. So for it to last two weeks of just a general sense of well-being mm-hmm. was a dramatic difference for me from before I took the injection. Wonderful. Well, I am so happy that you found your relief and that you have a healthy and safe option to turn to if there is a next time, if you need to. Um, but again, I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open and, you know, helping the cause to just normalize all of this. And it's okay to talk about it. And I'm so glad I know your story in case I might know someone who's having a similar situation. Exactly. That's um, a good way to say it. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much, Angie. I really appreciate you and your time. I appreciate you For more information, please visit MindsOnMushrooms.com. Thank you for joining the journey.